bet. There we go. Okay, so now we can officially start talking. <laughs> now that our gotcha. introductions are out of the way. Yeah. So you said you were uh, running for Texas governor, a small grassroots campaign. You're saying you're flying under the radar, but sometimes those are the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really are. Uh, yeah, we're we're kind of low in the numbers, quote, in these polls, but they're only polling like 0.05% of the population. Uh, so frustrating. It's, we've got 2 million new registered voters since 2018 and 15 to 20% of the, of the voters in the Republican primary for governor of Texas are undecided and that Republican primary, and this is important because a lot of people don't understand that. A lot of people think the election's in November. It's not. The Republican primary for governor of Texas will be March 1st, early oh, wow. starting. Yeah, March 1st. Early voting will start February 14th. So the winner of this will go against the Democrat candidate, which most likely will be Beto. Uh, and that's how this process works, but a lot of people get confused because it, you know everybody's got busy lives and stuff. Mm -hmm. So it's important. Early voting starts February 14th. The actual election uh, for the Republican primary for for Governor of Texas, which has Abbott, West, Prather, myself, Huffines, yada yada, will all be running, and the winner of that will take on the Democratic candidate in November. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So that's a big deal because. Oh, I was, ex I was expecting to vote for whoever the governor is in November, but I forget that the Republican primaries, like you're fighting against the other Republican candidates right now who are, are going to go against, like you say, Beto. Exactly. You got it. So that's really, really important. So if we don't, and that's where the rubber meets the road. If no one votes, it doesn't matter hell of beans anyway. So that's yeah. really important. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm having you on the podcast then because at least it yeah. will hopefully get a few more people out there to understand that. So, Absolutely. okay. So, Mr. Harrison, you are running for Texas governor. I want to know, uh, first off, why, you know, why you, uh, politics and the younger generation right now are, how do you say it? The gap is ever widening. We'll just say that for people caring about politics the way that I think that people should, because it's slime ball, you know, politics, politicians always seem like they lie. Uh, they yeah. never follow through on what they, they do or say. So, as a young voter here, you know, I'm, I'm up 20s. Um, yeah. Why would I care about anything that's going on, going on in my state if I believe that nothing is going to actually take effect? Well, I, I think we've got to get that. And I get that. Well, first of all, uh, I, I mean, I certainly understand where you're coming from. Uh, I've never uh, I've never held public office. I'm a small businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. Uh, I've always followed politics and watched it, but never uh, have held public office. Um, and I'm definitely an outsider uh, running in this Republican primary. Quite frankly, I'm an independent thinking candidate. I'm actually an independent running on the ticket for governor, uh, uh, running on the Republican ticket for governor of Texas. So I think that makes me a lot different. Mm. Uh uh, I'm running on a campaign. I'm, I'm running on a lot of different things. Well, first of all, we all want, I, I would strongly urge you, you young people, even if you're cynical of the process, you don't think it makes a difference. It does. You've got to get out there and vote. You've got to stay engaged as tough as it may be. And, it, and politics is a nasty sport. I've gotten a full taste of it here at the, at the statewide level here running for governor. There's a lot of people that, that are, don't want to have us have a forum uh, don't want us to, to be able to spread our message or doing everything they can to block us 
from spreading our message for governor of Texas. Really? And it's very frustrating. Everybody's protecting their turf instead of promoting competition and all that. That's what you think would happen, but that's not the case. So it certainly creates cynicism, and I get it where people are coming from. But we still can't give up on the process. It's too important. There's just too many things that affect people's quality of life. And so, and, and every aspect of your life. And so I think we're in a really important part of our, our state's history and our country's history. I think the election uh, for a lot of Texans, for, for me, I thought the election that took place for, for president, I thought it was fraudulent. People mm-hmm. agree with me. Some people don't agree with me. I think that the, the riots in Washington, D.C., I thought that was a setup. And I'm not, I'm not a conspiracy cynical guy. I'm not some hardcore right-wing guy. I'm just common sense, pragmatic, independent thinking populist. And I thought that was something that was a setup. But then when you have the president of the United States, whether you agree or disagree with President Trump, he gets shut down on Twitter, uh, 200 million followers on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I thought the impeachment trial, uh, I thought the whole process of flooding the electoral process with mail-in ballots during the, in the swing states during the election, uh, using COVID as an excuse, uh, the whole thing was really bizarre and weird. And uh, that really uh, is motivating, inspired me to run for office. And then changing the subject, the, really my motivating factor is Governor Greg Abbott's the governor of Texas, but he's a career politician that's never worked in the real world. He's sold out to a lot of special interests. Um, it's, a, it's a messy deal. But when COVID hit, he shut down $70 billion worth of industry of bars, restaurants, gyms, salons, movie theaters, uh, had bars shut down indefinitely and had these businesses running at 25 or 50%. But at the same time, he was more than happy to have Costco, Walmart, Lowe's, and Home Depot running at 100%. That's certainly not a public policy uh, that was friendly to small business. And small business is the economic engine of the state. So this was probably my motivating factor for running. But we're also, what differentiates me from the other candidates running, and I'll shut up here for a second, that what differentiates me is I support the legalization of cannabis in Texas. Uh, we're spending $700 million a year uh, putting people in jail simply for possession of cannabis. Uh, that's crazy. That's nuts. Uh, Texas is the largest agricultural exporter state in the nation. We could be shipping cannabis all over the country just like we do. Uh, hopefully I didn't lose you, just like we do uh, uh, soybean, cotton, uh, treat it just like any other product, and then sell it retail. Uh, and then I want to bring entertainment and gambling to Texas. We can't have gambling in Texas. We send it to Oklahoma, Louisiana, New Mexico, uh, because the governor sold out to these uh, gambling interests. And desert, whether you agree or disagree with it, doesn't even give Texas the opportunity to vote for it. So these two issues alone, brings 300,000 jobs, $75 billion circulation of cash in our economy, and $6 billion to the bottom line of Texas. That's money that could be used to help Texans out in regard to mental health, in regard to rural hospital care, in regard to taking care of our elderly, infrastructure, schools, retired teachers. We're just throwing this money away. And so this is really a big issue that separates me from really the right-wing kind of hardcore candidates that are running the Republican ticket, a much more open-minded, much more independent thinking. And so, uh, you know, I'm opposed to vaccine mandates. I'm opposed to federalized elections. I'm opposed to 
ruining our oil and gas industry and over-regulating, but I'm open to renewable energies. But uh, uh, we need somebody that's different for governor of Texas. And I'm the only candidate talking, uh, running for governor of Texas on the Republic ticket is talking about legalization of cannabis and entertainment and gambling. So there you have it. That was a really great synopsis, man. That was actually really yeah. good. I, I yeah. do. I do like the whole, the whole cannabis thing, man. It's frustrating. Like I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a partaker necessarily, but I see the evidence um, of like the valuable evidence showing how much cannabis can help mental health and a whole variety right. of factors. And the double, the double standard between cannabis and alcohol is a whole nother debate um, right. where, where, where you know, I, of course I drink and that's great, but um, yeah, it's very, very fascinating to me to watch that double standard uh, take place between cannabis and, and, uh, and alcohol. So yeah. Yeah, and the hypocrisy of it's ridiculous. I mean, we ship millions of gallons of liquor and beer and wine all over the state every day uh, and don't think about it at all. But somebody lights up a joint, that's supposed to be a big deal. I mean, I can <laughs> belly up the bar and get six beers, yeah. a martini, you know, yep. leave, hey, I love you, and leave drunk. And then, you know, but we're going to worry about some guy lighting up a joint. I'm like, you got to be yeah. kidding, man. And the evidence yeah. as far as mortality that is vastly um, – underwhelming for cannabis and overwhelming yeah. for alcohol. When you look at it, you're, drinking and driving, it's wild. Exactly. The, yeah. The deadly nature of alcohol compared to cannabis is like night and day. It's like yep. comparing, you know, it's, there's no comparison at all. And, and, uh, and, and at the same time, nobody's overdosing on cannabis. Nobody's yeah. died from overdosing <laughs> on cannabis. And we got an opioid crisis in this, yeah. in this country and Ooh. in this state, a fentanyl crisis. You're preaching, crisis. man. Careful. <laughs> You're preaching yeah. to, my, to my story here. <laughs> yeah. So there's, there's an opportunity to, for pain relief yeah. and, and, and anxiety and where people can use cannabis and not use these hard drugs that are, that are, uh, that are killing people and stuff, you know? And again, back to the evidence, it just, it's wild to me. So I like that. I really like that about you. Um, there's a trend, not, I don't know if I, I say trend, not really trend, but man, politicians, uh, they have all these great ideas. Um, you have all these great ideas. I love it. Sounds great. Uh, but a lot of times it doesn't really come to fruition. People's ideas, uh, when they start running or when they get elected, they get into office and something happens. I don't know if it's a switch that occurs or a light bulb that, that kind of shuts down, but a lot of promises aren't kept. Um, and it kind of has disenfranchised that the younger population again. Um, and so in doing that, what I've tried to do is I've tried to learn who the candidates are personally. Sure. Um, you know, where did you come from? Um, what's your yeah. character like? Um, how'd you get to today? You know, what are some of the yeah. hard things you've had to, the hardest lessons you've had to learn um, and I want to know about that before I start, you know, backing somebody, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a graduate of Stephen F. Austin State University in Nacogdoches. I went to uh, Humble High School. Looking here, I'm, uh, uh, I'm a, I went to Humble High School or Humble High School north of uh, Houston area, Kingwood, Humble area. I'm sorry. I'm an older guy. I've got to keep reading my, uh, my notes that are coming across here. I'm a working guy running for governor of Texas. There you go. And then that's, and that's a good thing too, because yeah, I think is. our founding fathers wanted people to run for office and work at the street level. And also, and, and it makes you understand the working people of Texas. I've been in business for myself 32 years. Uh, we're in the commercial landscape business. We cover the entire state of Texas and other areas. I've got uh, two daughters. Uh, I've been married for a, a number of years. Uh, I was divorced once. Uh, uh, 
I've got two elderly parents in their late 80s who need to be taken care of and need a lot of help, but they're wonderful people. Um, I'm at a kind of a place where many people my age are, where you have young kids that are growing up and then elderly parents. That's a real challenge for a lot of Texans. It is for me. It's very costly. And I'm blessed that I make a pretty decent amount of money where I can help my parents and take care of my kids and such. Uh, I certainly have learned every imaginable thing in business. I've learned the good and the bad. I know what it's like to have the wolf growling at my door uh, financially. I know what tough times are like. Uh, and, and, and I've seen it and I've experienced everything financially. But fortunately, I've had more wins than losses. And uh, there's nothing I haven't seen in small business. And it's truly the economic engine of the state. It employs the majority of people in this state and this country. And uh, I've learned every imaginable lesson. I've made every mistake that you can make, but I've made more good decisions than bad. And I think that's what the state desperately needs. We need to bring swing the pendulum of power back to the people of Texas, back to the hardworking men and women of Texas, back to the small businessmen and women of Texas. Currently, you have a, a career politician as your, as your governor, never has worked in the real world, uh, sold out to so much special interest. Uh, it's just, and his decision-making reflects that. And Texas needs something different. And, and, I'm, and I'm definitely different. And, uh, and just on those two issues I talked about earlier. Yeah. But uh, uh, so maybe there's a little bit of information for you. No, that's good. Um, what was the hardest lesson in life you've had to learn and the kind of the most impactful upon your decision-making process? I think the toughest one was just I overextended myself as a businessman. I think, you know, I was a young kid. We were one of the faster growing small businesses in America. All this money coming in. I'm thinking I'm a hot, hot stud, you know, and all this stuff. And I really didn't know how to manage money real well. And so I overextended myself. And that's when that part came in where, you know, next thing you know, the bottom drops out. You make some stupid decisions. You don't have any money in the bank account. You got payrolls to meet you got bills to pay and I didn't have the money to do it. And I made a lot of bad choices, but I hung in there. I worked through it. I got over it, but it was a hell of a price to pay. And so that's probably the toughest decision that I've learned is just be much wiser with your dollar, be much more careful with it. Uh, don't live beyond your means. Don't be stupid. I'm telling you quite <laughs> frankly, don't live beyond your means. I've yeah. done that. It's a bad lesson. Yeah. And uh, I've and I've made that mistake, but I, I was lucky I survived it, but it was not necessary. It was a lot of pain and suffering that I did need to go through. But unfortunately, a lot of small businessmen and women do that. But uh, learn from me. Don't do that. That's probably the biggest thing that I've learned in my life. One of the hardest lessons. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. The way you talk. So first off, you don't talk like a, a regular politician, which I like. That's kind of refreshing. Yeah. Like, I like that, man. Um, yeah. And then two, it sounds like you're kind of running on the governor level uh, that Trump read that Trump uh, ran on the national yeah. level. Businessman yeah. uh, has a lot of life experience behind his belt. Um, yeah. Seems more practical, logical and entrepreneur sees yeah. issues and then wants to change those issues. Does, does that sound about right? Yeah, I think you've nailed it on the head. Uh, I, it's, I know a lot of people love Trump. I know a lot of people hate Trump. Yeah. Uh, but there's a lot. He has a populist message. He's a small businessman. He's a, actually a large businessman. But he 
is an he's entrepreneurial thinking. He's very common sense. He's very pragmatic. Put all the rhetoric off to the side. Uh, so there's a lot of similarities there. But I'm not, you know, I love Trump. I've always loved him way before he was uh, president. I know that turns a lot of people off, turns a lot of people on. But I'm running my campaign. I'm certainly not Donald Trump. I'm oh, I know Harris. that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't want insinuating that shit. But, uh, you know, I'm just, I am who I am, and we just yeah. get out there and make it the best we can. I'm just seeing a lot of similarities in that. And it, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, you're very if, up, and yeah, you're very up. You're 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 watching things very closely. So, how do you take what you learn as your greatest life lessons? You know, not overextending yourself, um, managing the budget well. Whenever you're what you, if you got elected, you'd be walking into honestly a shitstorm. Like you're looking yeah. at a budget that is probably terrible. I don't know what it's like at the state level, but yeah. nationally, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, you're looking at politicians and politics and uh the a dynamic that is not efficient that has so much red tape so how right. are you being a go-getter a very direct you know successful businessman how are you going to walk into something like that and try and do what you've always done it's it'll be it certainly will be challenging uh, very difficult to do in one sense but not so difficult to do i think uh, if i get in there obviously i'll have the people behind me i'll have the bully pulpit uh, and so that's a powerful force. That's just the ability to capture the media, capture the general population's attention. Uh, that's a powerful force to push through things like legalization of cannabis, entertainment and gambling, uh, pushing through your agenda in regard to your budget, and how you see things. So it's a it's a big, big issue. Uh, but, uh, and I, I'm very common sense, very pragmatic. I'm not, I'm not, I don't go in there naive with rosy glasses on deals are going to have to be cut. You know, we're going to have to meet in the middle. It can't be everything my way, but, uh, I think, uh, you know, we, I won't give up on Texas and, and I'm a working guy. I know what people are doing at the street level and, and just give it the best I can. What is going on at the street level in your opinion? Well, I think that at the street level, I think there's a lot of people. Uh, there's a lot of people that are doing well, but there's a lot of people that are really struggling. And I think uh, we're still trying to get our feet under ourselves after COVID. And it's still going on to a degree. And there's certain industries that are really working hard to come back. Uh, there's a lot of tough issues out there. Uh, I think you have a lot of uh, rural areas of community, even big cities and suburbs that were decimated because of COVID. Uh, you lost 12,000 businesses in Texas. Some of those decisions, some of those because of decisions that Governor Greg Abbott made. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of struggle out there. I think there's more good than bad. There's a lot of people that are succeeding, but we need to offer new opportunities, new revenue streams like the entertainment and gambling, like the legalization of cannabis to help entrepreneurs and give them more tools to play with out there uh, to, to, to improve their quality of life and such. And I think healthcare is also a big issue. Uh, that's something, that's something I, I haven't talked a lot about, but it's something that we're going to have to work on as we uh, move forward, you know? What? Okay. So are you allowed to talk a little bit about it now? <laughs> I, I am a little bit, I haven't really talked about it hardly at all. The uh, uh, because I think it'll end up being more of a general election issue than it is a Fair primary enough. issue because many primary voters don't talk about it. They talk more about property taxes. They talk more about yeah. the border, voter integrity and stuff. But 
but health insurance is is huge because people should be able to have some type of quality health share health care uh and and uh and access something and and I'm trying to find something that would work where it's not so much a federal government thing, more of a private market thing. Mm. But, uh, but there's opportunities for, for low cost quality health insurance is just trying to get that right nut together. You know, that's been the uh, age old issue since yeah. as long as I can remember healthcare. Yes. Yeah. My, my undergrads in public health. And so we learned all about how, Having health insurance is very important because of all the whole burden crap and stuff, which I get, but it seems yeah. like nobody can solve it. So, man, if you can, if you can kind of try and run that on a state level, that'd be great. Well, it's funny because I don't, I don't have health insurance for myself, and and I'm going to tell you why. It because it's just I'm not going to pay. I, I'm going to for a guy my age. I'm 58 years old. I'll pay $1,200 a month just in premiums yeah. on top of a on top of a you know nine ten thousand dollar deductible. Are you freaking kidding me? But so what I've learned is if you're able to pay cash or certain certain things, you can really negotiate a very strong price. Now I make a pretty decent living. So for some people it's, it's, it's easier for me than it may be for others, but still, if you're able to pay cash on certain things, it could be just day-to-day healthcare. You may be able to cut a pretty good deal. And there's a lot of businesses that deal with healthcare that offer telemedicine and certain pharmaceuticals and stuff that you can get at a dirt cheap price. Even mm. Mark Cuban's coming up with a pharmaceutical yeah. company right now Phenomenal. with a hundred, with a hundred uh, generic, uh, generic brands out there that you can get for nothing. Yep. So, uh, you know, something you might want to, yeah, something you might want to look into is one of my uh, senior research papers that I did a while back was re- looking at healthcare costs and why, do, why does it cost so much? And then what can we, you know, shift resources in, to fix the issue. And one of them is admin, admin paperwork. Apparently, sure. according to Forbes, I believe it was 2014, I forget. But Forbes magazine did a really interesting article about how if America literally just cut paperwork, just the extra two pages or three pages or 10 pages per person, then it would cover everybody in the nation as far as yeah. uh, money for their health care, which is wild to me. Like, like how trash are we to be able to spend billions of dollars on paperwork whenever yeah. that same money could be going towards something else and we, we have electronic medical records so there's yeah. something you might want to look as you're kind of oh, yeah and that's and that's a good point and you, and you just got to get that beer and that's where you got to get that bureaucracy out yeah. of there that's what bothers me a little bit just for medicare for all yeah. or which even, i get even a public choice yeah, the private, you know, that, that you get so much of that red tape. And that's what the concern is, where I think the private market can play a major role in certain specific areas. And uh, it's just finding that balance. It's it's not an easy task, though. Oh, I believe that. And even in the private market, and I'm definitely not saying we need to do like a socialized type of medicine or Medicare sure. for all type of thing. But right. an interesting factor that needs to be considered in creating new plans for medi- for uh, for health insurance plans is looking at the excess waste, and that's simply yeah. in paperwork. So even if you're looking to drive a private market where competition is going to drive down prices, then right. you also need to be looking at what in what is in each company that is too excessive that could also drive down prices for the consumer. That sure. way, you can still have health insurance for all. So just something to consider as you're, as you're developing. Uh, absolutely. Plan. Absolutely. You're abs- absolutely right. And thank you for sharing that information with me. 
Awesome. So the next thing I'll notice is you're you're running a lot on the cannabis and uh, gambling thing. Do you sure. feel which I I think it's fine. I think you know it's a business for one. Gambling is a business, and yeah, um, we talked to talk about cannabis and marijuana. So are you fearful that you're going to lose a lot of the uh, evangelical population by running on oh, this platform? No question about it. The it's funny. I'm married to an evangelical born again, Christian. She went to Liberty university, the largest yeah. private Christian school <laughs> in the world. Uh, she was part of the moral majority way before your time, but part of Jerry Falwell, the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, so I know what faith and, and I'm a big man of faith, but uh, no doubt about it. Uh, we're going to lose it on the short term during this primary. I think if we can get into the runoff, I think we have as good a shot as anybody. I think we will definitely get them back. And, uh, I mean, Trump was able to do it. And Trump, uh, I mean, he certainly had his fair share of baggage and issues and stuff. And he had the large, he owned the largest uh, private casino in the world at one time. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and and Trump had his fair share of baggage and, and issues that where the evangelical community certainly could question him. But he still believed in Christianity. He still uh, uh, was a strong supporter of Israel. Uh, was one of these guys, hey, what's wrong with saying Merry Christmas? The majority of, I think the majority of this country, without a doubt, is uh, Christian. Uh, you, when you put your hand on, when you run for office, you put your hand on the Bible. Uh, it's one nation under God. Majority of our family fathers talked about God and country. So uh, that's reaching out to evangelical community is very important. It'll be very difficult for us in this, in this primary race. We're not going to get that support. But if we can get into the runoff, we will. Uh, my support right now is going to come from libertarians. It's going to come from independent thinking Texans. It's going to come from crossover from Democrats. It's going to come from just those hardcore independent people that just want a common sense, pragmatic guy and not a damn politician. Really. Well, that's kind of what's why I bring it up, because uh, most of my uh, generation of people that I've talked to, are thinking that way are thinking they may be faith-based. They may go to church. Um, they may be Christian, whatever, the, whatever the case may be. Uh, but it, they're more the middle than I think people realize. I think sure. a lot of people would, might lean conservatively or, you know, conservative economic conservative or sure. a liberal so, or not liberal socialist, a, what is that? Socially liberal, yeah, socially liberal. Yeah, so economically sure. conservative and socially liberals is where yeah. a lot of people that I know are kind of standing. And so we're seeing the party divide where Republicans, if you're a Christian, if you're a Republican, you have to stand against gambling, you have to stand against marijuana, and that's just BS, man. Yeah. A lot of people are thinking the way you're thinking, and I think yeah. you still might be able to take some of that evangelical vote if you're wanting to, um, if you can kind of talk about why you believe that it's really not that big of a deal. You know, yeah, and I and I and I think it's not. I mean, it's. I mean, it's. I think people have to like. I go back to that same thing. It's. It to me, it's not a big deal. It's more of a business decision. It's more about, and it's connecting the dots. I just said between those two industries, legalization of cannabis and gambling, that's six billion dollars to the bottom line. Now, if I can use that money, and this is where maybe some of those evangelical Christian people have to listen, I can use that money for mental health. We have a massive mental health issue problem in this state. We're using our county jails as we speak right now, Caleb, that we have county commissioners and county judges that are swamped with people with mental illness in their jails that can't oh, yeah. get the help. They can't get the help because they can't get the staff. 
They've got the beds. They can't get the staffing. These additional resources could really push and hire more people to help them through this. Um, rural hospitals in Texas have been under siege. Only 40% of the Texas offer delivery for 40% of hospitals in rural areas provide delivery for babies. Mm. Are you kidding me? Wow. Well, what if I got more medical uh, helicopters, more ambulances, more doctors, more staffing? That could be a game changer. Mm -hmm. We also have a massive aging population. You know, you've got a lot of people yep. going into retirement centers, the baby boomer generation. Yep. You see retirement centers popping up everywhere. But Texas ranks at the bottom of the barrel in overseeing nursing homes mm. and things of that nature. Can you imagine if you were 85, 88 year olds, you have no family to help you out and you're depending on just that nursing home for Medicaid to take care of you? There's a lot of oh, no. abuse. <laughs> you know, oh, you you're that? that's literally you're good. You're literally talking to the guy who who in the ambulance would show up to those nursing homes and the nurse is saying, oh, they're seizing, but they've been dead for three days. Like we've yeah, done CPR on, on so many patients in these nursing homes where the ratio of patient to nurses is like 40 to one. Yeah. Like that's wild. It's, 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 and this is where that Texas ranks at the bottom of the barrel in regard to mental health and overseeing nursing homes. A bottom of barrel in regard to rural hospitals. This is money where you got to reach out to the evangelical community and say, this is money that can be used to make a difference. Cannabis is just a freaking any different than tobacco, cotton, and soybean, yeah. man. Treat it like yeah. that. I agree. Entertainment and gambling. Good Lord, every state in the nation's taking advantage of it, but us, because mm -hmm. the governor sold out to those interests. Let's well, use that money for a positive thing. Let me ask you something, because this is kind of a moral question more than anything that, or at least the evangelicals think it is where, and I, by the way, I, I'm Christian and I go to church. I just sure. take a completely different stance than most Christians. Yeah. Um, well, not my age, but the typical voter who's going to evangelical voter is going to say and vote against you or be, is because you're doing marijuana or you're yeah. going to legalize marijuana and bring gambling yeah. to the state because it's a terrible moral failure, right? Because yeah. Jesus said, don't gamble and don't lose yeah. your mind or control your mind. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Or, and there was Roman soldiers gambling at the foot of the cross, right? That was one of those right. things. And that's typically the argument that people take when voting for or against marijuana and gambling. Um, if that's the moral argument, what do you say to that? Well, I, I, and I go back to the same thing. Uh, well, first of all, I don't even smoke cannabis myself, yeah, but same. I just can't stand the hypocrisy of it. But if I was in a lot of pain, I certainly would do that instead of taking a bunch of painkillers and messing with my kidneys or my liver. <laughs> and I would tell that to the evangelical community. I would tell the evangelical community too. get real. You're telling me everybody that's going to crossing the state lines into Oklahoma and Louisiana and goes to the Choctaw Indian uh, uh, Choctaw casino there that just did a 650 million dollar expansion all that money's come from coming from texas you're gonna tell me there's not any believers going over there let's get real <laughs> come on don't give me that and then once again connecting the dots on what what that money can be used for to help other people look 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 there's only a small percentage of people they're gonna say well people are gonna lose their homes and and granny's gonna spend her social security check there and all this kind of stuff all this kind of stuff, and that's and, and, and the the pros of, of legalization of gambling and, and 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 cannabis far outweigh the pros. And I also would say far outweigh the cons. Yeah, yeah, the pros far outweigh the cons. Thank you. And it, I would say this too: 
people go to these, it's more than just entertainment and gambling, it's tourism, it's destination points, it's, it's, it's uh, spas, pools, golfing, entertainment venues, restaurants, entertainment gambling is just the gambling is just one small piece of that pie. And mm-hmm. that's what I would try to say to the, the evangelical community and Texans in general that yeah. are post. Yeah. Is, uh, is anybody in the Republican primaries, are they trying to do the same thing that you are with gambling and marijuana? Nobody's talked about, it. I think there's one lady that came in just recently running. I think her name is candy. I'll shoot her horn, candy K horn or something. She's talked a little bit about it, but really the only candidate that's talked about it. And I've been running since mid, uh, since September is me. It's not okay. Huffines. It's not Prather. It's not West. It's not Abbott. The only person that's talked about legalization of cannabis and entertainment again is me clearly. And that's the big difference between them. And don't get me wrong. I want a strong border. I'm opposed to vaccine mandates, vaccine mass mandates, uh, vaccine passports, federalized elections. I'm opposed to that. I'm, I want to protect the oil and gas industry industry but i also support renewable energies mm. but we have to support our oil and gas industry and not get it strangled by the biden administration through overregulation. i'm all for those things but what separates me from the other candidates abbott west Huffines, and prather is simply i support legalization of cannabis and gambling well as we wrap up here what are the kind of the last things you want to say to anybody who might be listening to this conversation well caleb i want first of all i want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to spread the message absolutely really my appreciate honor Honestly. Yeah, oh, it's, oh, it's, well, it's my honor to be here. It's so hard to spread the message when you're a small grassroots campaign. Yeah. But we are small, but we are strong. We are polling mm. incredibly strong out in West Texas. I just talked to some people earlier today. We had some really good news on some of our numbers coming from West Texas. I think we're going to be, there's maybe a very much a surprise. I think we may very well slip in through the back door uh, and have a good chance to get into the runoff with Governor Greg Abbott. I think Abbott's the guy to be. He's got all the money, the name ID. I don't think he's going to get over 50% of the vote. I think he's going to get dragged into a runoff. I don't think the, the, the candidates that I'm running against have the entrepreneurial vision, uh, the guts and the courage to really take it to the next level. I think I do. And uh, like I said before, I'm a small businessman. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm at the street level. I'm not a career politician. I'm just a regular Joe running for, for governor of Texas. And that's exactly what we need. We, we, are at a, we are at a crossroads in our country in regard to what took place with the election and voter integrity uh, and, 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 and also that we haven't even talked about the censoring of what's taking place on, on social media, all these things. We need something strong, bold and aggressive at the state, national, international level. And I can assure you I'll be that way. But just the regular Joe doing it, I'm, I'm doing it for the right reasons. I'm speaking from my heart. I'm speaking from my gut and that's it. And this is the first time you've ever run. This is the first time I've ever, I tried to run. I, I will say that I tried to run for governor of Texas as an independent four years ago, oh, no. but the catch was <laughs> independent. Caleb, we, yeah, true. <laughs> but we had to get this. I had to get 62 signatures, 62,000 signatures within 28 days. Oh my gosh. On a piece of paper. You oh had to say, couldn't do it uh, electronically or over <laughs> social media. You had to go with a clipboard. That's wild. I'm like, are you kidding me? That's and wild. the only way you would be able to do that if you were going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars and pay a company to do it, I'm talking 500000 I said, I can't do it. We tried. We got 22,000 signatures, and I couldn't get on the ballot. So. 
Well, Mr. Harrison, thank you so much for coming on the show again. It was an honor and I wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much, Caleb. Thank you so much. And, and, and I hope you have a great rest of the week. And thank you for giving us the opportunity to, to share our message. I really, really, really appreciate it. Yes, sir. You have a good one. You too.